Morning, everyone. Take two. Um, isn't this aircon great? Too cold. My wife's wearing a jersey already. But as we were in the pre-meeting before before the service, and uh, the aircon wasn't on at that point, and I thought, hey, I hope this thing works since last summer. But uh, you know, like in in these the Nobel Peace Prize, and you get the Nobel Prize for chemistry and all of that kind of stuff. Rue, I love your moustache, by the way. I meant to tell you last Sunday you were sitting this side, and I'm like, it's epic. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think when we get to heaven, there's going to be like these prizes that weren't recognized on earth, right? Nobel Prize for Peace. But like the guy who invented or the girl who invented the aircon, the person who discovered coffee. and ch- like I think there's going to be prizes in heaven we know nothing about, and I praise God for those people. Just uh, one quick announcement. That's fine. Um, in four weeks' time, we're taking a team to Zimbabwe for the weekend for a return mission trip up to Mashvingo. If you want to find out more information about that trip, straight after church, we're going to be meeting in the front. So please join us for that meeting. All right, we're in the book of John. Uh, I think we're part 23. We said it'll take us two or three years to get through the book of John. And some of you might be thinking, why are we still in John? Can't we get over this book already? And I... I I know most of us know this, but I want to remind us again, why do we preach through a book slowly, bit by bit? It's because we want a whole Bible understanding of God's plan. We don't want to skip over the hard ones or just go to our favorite texts. We don't want to go kind of bouncing from topic to topic. We want to be careful to exegete the texts, look at the context, apply it to our lives in 21st century, and allow room for the Holy Spirit to work. So we're very deliberate with how we're preaching. Our aim as a church is not to be a flashy church that has YouTube quality sermons that we can post online and share little clips. That's not our aim. As amazing as those sermons are, we do want anointed preaching. We do want the Holy Spirit of God to take the Word of God and to change our hearts, to work deeply inside us and to mold us to be more like Christ. That's why we're here. We're not here for flashy preaching, that's for sure. The best thing that we can do as leaders, as elders, as preachers, is to present God's word to you faithfully. That's the best thing that we can do. And so we are trying that with all our might. It's the Bible plus nothing, the Bible minus nothing. That's all we want to know. And because of that, we preach about Jesus a lot. Because he's the central character. He is the hero of heaven who rescued mankind. Amen? So... We love the Bible. We love the book of John. And uh, turn with me to John chapter 6. So Piwe preached last Sunday on feeding the 5,000. I'm preaching it again because there's so much in this text. By the way, his message was outstanding. Probably the best message I've heard on this passage. If you weren't here last Sunday, go and listen to it online or on the podcast. But I feel like God's got a whole lot more for us. It's such a rich text that we're going we're to camp here. Just for today, we're moving on next week. John 6 from verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he'd performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy food or bread for these people to eat? 
He asked this only to test him, for he really had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough food for each one just to have one bite. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Interesting, the last time we saw Andrew, what was he doing? A few chapters ago. Bringing people to Jesus. And now again, he's bringing a little boy to Jesus. Andrew's a cool guy. Doesn't get enough airtime. <laughs> Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who'd eaten. After the people saw the sign, John calls this a sign, that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who's to come into the world. Remember Moses spoke about a prophet that God would raise up one day. Surely this is the prophet who's to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountainside by himself. That word king is a political word. They wanted to, what do the people want? They wanted to change the regime, change the political regime. We don't want Rome anymore. We want this guy. Maybe he's the prophet. Doesn't matter, but he's cool. He feeds us. And I was laughing when I was reading this text when I was preparing because the moment people get some material benefit, they want to follow that politician. <laughs> Make him king. We want a new political leader. He gave us food. And, you know, people haven't changed in 2,000 years. We still vote for the party that gives us stuff. <laughs> anyway, I've never seen that in that text before, but there you go. So this, this miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 um, and the miracle of Jesus dying and resurrecting are the only two miracles that are found in all four Gospels. Did you know that? That must mean this is quite important. It's also found in Matthew 14, Mark chapter 6, and Luke chapter 9. And the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they give almost identical accounts or descriptions of what happened and how it played out. And so Jesus had, just before this, he'd sent out the 12 disciples. They'd gone on a mini, mini mission trip. They came back, they reported all that God had done through them. They withdrew for some rest, but the crowds followed them. Jesus has compassion, and I'm drawing from all four Gospels here. He actually teaches them about the kingdom. He heals them. And then the disciples want to send them away because they're tired. And John's version has some unique details. It's quite a different vantage point, if you've seen that movie, um, on this miracle. Not because the Bible's not true and Matthew, Mark, and Luke say it like this and John says like that the Bible's contradicting itself. Some people use the scriptures like that. But actually John, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written around the same time and John has the privilege when he writes his gospel of being able to read Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels. And so he adds in details that other guys didn't put in, knowing that the Holy Spirit would use them for more illumination. So that's why you'll see John's Gospels often quite different to the other three or the synoptic Gospels. And so this is chiefly a miracle of provision. Jesus is saying he can take care of his people. And notice the significance of the 12 baskets, right? There were 12 tribes in Israel. 
Jesus is saying, actually, I can take care of my whole people, the whole nation, the whole land. In Moses' day, the people were in the wilderness, and how did God feed them? Manna from heaven. And here's Jesus, and Mark's gospel about four times says the peop- this people in, in, in Jesus' time were in the wilderness. God gives them bread through Jesus multiplying it. There's a similarity to Moses in the desert. And that significance of the number of baskets wouldn't have been lost on the disciples. They would have like, ah, oh, Moses, the desert, 12 tribes, God feeding them from heaven, 12 baskets, Jesus feeding us supernaturally. But I also wonder if they said, you know what, there's 12 of us, 12 disciples. God's, Jesus fed everyone and there's 12 baskets. There's more than enough even for us left over who did all the work of distributing the food. Notice that Jesus told his disciples to feed the 5,000 before he did it himself. He said, you give them something to eat. He asked them to do it before he did it, even though he knew that he would have this amazing miracle. Maybe if they'd taken him seriously, they could have done it by themselves. It didn't seem at all possible that it crossed their mind that if they'd started just with the five loaves and two fish, maybe if they'd followed God's command that command will have enabled them to multiply the food themselves. We don't know. But it's like Jesus is trying to egg them on to wean them off himself, I think. Jesus knows in a couple years' time he's going to heaven. These 12 plus the others around, they would be the ones who would need to take this gospel forward and preach in the nations and go to the verse that um, Dara said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. They didn't, he didn't want them to be dependent on his physical person because he knew he would be leaving, right? Friends, it's a good lesson for us. We must not become dependent on people. Your life group leader, a mentor, a pastor, your favorite podcast person, whoever that may be. Because these things change. This church, Hope City Church, started on January the 17th, 2016. don't know what you were doing on that day. It was a Sunday evening. I remember it clearly. Ed and Hardy Strong planted this church. We plus three other people, trying to do the maths. There were seven of us in total. Came and started this new church. It was an evening service in Modifontein. And about a year and a bit later, Ed and Hardy left the church. God called them somewhere else. Candace and I felt we are to lead this church. And so there was a transition, there was a change. And if anyone had come because of Ed and Hardy's amazing gifting, well, sorry for them, they were left with Glendon and Candace. And so we sat down with all our leaders. And some of you here will remember that probably. We said, guys, there's a transition. Ed and Hardy are moving on. Glendon and Candace are leading. We're different from them in age, in gifting, in personality, in life stage, etc. If you came because of Ed and Hardy, that's fine. You're welcome to leave, no questions asked. But if you're here because God's called you here, stick around because God's in this thing. No one left. Not because they were joining the person of Glendon and Candace, but because God had called them to the church. A year later, we changed venue from an evening service in Modifontaine to a morning service just up the road in Glenvale. Many of you were at least at some point in that venue. We were worried. We're changing from evening service to morning service. We're moving like eight kilometers away. It's a different suburb. Where people going to, you know us, I live in Modifontaine. You know us in Modifontaine, we're lazy. You know that, eh? 
Spot on, Bruce. Spot on. There's so many shopping centers all around Greenstone, Eden Glen, but like Modifontaine, we built our own there because we're so lazy. It's called Flamingo Center. We were worried that some people would not come across to the new venue either because it was an evening service or because it's a new suburb. One person didn't come across. Why? God had called people to be in the church no matter where the church was. You might have joined this church because it's convenient. It's close to where you live. No problem. You might have joined because someone invited you. Awesome. You might be here because you found connection and community and and fellowship. Awesome. But you don't need to be a prophet to predict that things are going to change. One of our elders said to us, Last week, the kids' church is too small. They're, it's wild there. Like we've tripled the size of our kids' ministry space from the last venue, and we're out of space. Something's going to change. Praise God. We're going to just build a dividing wall at the back over there and then have what? No, I'm joking. Not going to have the kids in the back. But you don't need to be a prophet to predict that things change. What if you move home to another suburb? Well, I've just I've moved and you know it's just not convenient anymore. I'm gonna to go to another church down the road. <laughs> I hope not. If God calls you to another church, amen. Praise God, He does do that. But but have a conviction that God's put me in this church because of what He's doing, not a personality, not a convenience, oh, it's close by. And those things help, amen. But but have a conviction that you're here for what God is doing. Not a personality. What if, what if um, Vas and Pet, God sends them to, what's their least favorite country? Where is Vas? Somewhere. Saudi Arabia, I don't know, China, wherever. God sends them to plant a church. India. <laughs> Vas said never wants to go to India. <laughs> but what if God calls them on? And he's the most loving, kind, pastoral person here. Half of you guys are going to feel sad. Where is Vasen? Like whenever I chat with Vasen, I go away feeling encouraged because he's just, he can't stop smiling and he's full of life and joy. But are half of you going to leave and follow him? Well, if God calls you, awesome. Go to India. <laughs> but, but don't, you see what I'm saying? Jesus didn't want them to be dependent on his physical person because he knew that he was leaving. So the first thing that, first kind of big idea from this passage is that Jesus is able to meet our needs. Jesus is able to meet our needs. Despite the very limited resources, despite these dull, doubting disciples who just didn't read what was going on, Superior said it's not what we have in our hands, it's in whose hands we put it. Beautiful phrase. Jesus, his battery doesn't run down. Candace and I, we've got these smartwatches. They're getting a bit old now. Candace is older than mine. And we joke because we've got different brand of smartwatches. And she can talk on her, phone, on her watch, like through her phone. She can take a phone call. But mine's not that smart. But my battery, I mean, she charges that thing twice a day. My battery lasts like six days. You know? So we have this competition, right? But the batteries run out. We have to recharge them. You know when your cell phone contract's coming up for renewal? The last three months, the battery just knows it's like on this last legs and you like, you put it on, on power save mode and then you like, you, you dim the brightness just to get through the day. But God's not like that. There's no power save mode in the Godhead. He is able to meet our needs. 
Sometimes, I don't know if this happens to you, it's happened to me a few times, and you, you're really praying for something hard, and you think, oh, if I just pray harder, God will hear. If I pray harder, like God will really believe me that I'm serious about this prayer. And sometimes we think like our prayers can charge God to a bigger, higher power that then he can answer, right? And I'm not convinced that very long or very loud or American accent prayers can really change stuff. <laughs> Jesus prayed short prayers. Go look at the Gospels. I think that when we pray and we travail in prayer, and we should, I think God changes our hearts more than anything else. Our faith grows. We start to depend and trust on Him more as we realize that we can't do anything about the situation. I think our faith grows the more we pray. I don't think it changes God's battery status. But there... In heaven, there's an abundance of resources, an unending supply, and anyone who's truly in his plan will not lack those supplies. God has resources that we know nothing about. Hear that, friends. God has resources that we know nothing about, and God is not limited by what limits us. Remember God showing me this picture. I was driving home from work about a year or two ago, and the company I work for is in the agricultural area. It's near Kempton Park. And so there's quite, it's dusty, and there's like uh, fields and stuff. And down the one road on the way home, not far from the office, there's this other company, and they've got a big outside parking area. And it's kind of fenced off with like an electric fence, and it's dusty there. And so as I was driving home, I saw this whirlwind, a little dusty, one of those whirlwinds. And they're kind of moving. And it's moving towards the, the fence of this other company. I thought, okay, interesting. You know what it did? It gets to the fence. Boop. Boop. No, it didn't do that. No, it didn't go around either. I'm using the pulpit here. What happened? It just went straight through the fence. <gasps> no, but that's what wind does. There's no way the, the whirlwind's going to like, oh, no, there's an electric fence. I better go around. And I felt like God dropped into my heart at that moment. And then that... Electric fence meant nothing to that little windstorm. I am not limited by what limits you. God's not limited by gravity or space or time. He's not limited by, I think of charging our watches, of ESCOM. He's, he's not limited by our physical bodies. I, I'm a bad sleeper. I haven't figured it out yet 40-something years later. I often wake up with a sore neck from sleeping funny. Then I have a headache, and then I'm grumpy and moody, and I'm just, I'm not good for anything. I must eat and take pills, and then like two hours later, I'm human again. But like God is not limited by my body, or by my health, or by my whatever. He's not limited by my abilities or my lack of abilities. I think of Moses when God called, you know, the burning bush. And Jesus, and God said to him, you know, you're going to be the one who's going to release my people, and you need to go and talk to Pharaoh and let them free, and what did Moses say? What was his excuse, his, his reason for not wanting to be involved? Lord, I am slow of speech. I'm a stutterer. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a stutterer. Did, did that bother God? No. God doesn't, he's not limited by what limits us. He's not limited by our bank account. He's not limited. He's able to provide for our needs. This is what 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Not bless you a little bit. Just like, you know, when you're squeezing out the last bit of toothpaste, there's like just enough to clean the teeth but not freshen the breath. God is able to bless you abundantly 
so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, I think Paul's trying to make a point here, you will abound, not just have one or two, you will abound in every good work. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, seeds for sowing, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There's no doubt, friends, God is able to meet our needs. Second thing we see in this passage is that Jesus wants to meet our needs. It's no good that he's able to meet the needs, but he has no desire to. He doesn't want to. You know, October's busy. Can you guys come back in November? <laughs> you guys really miffed me off that worship night that went on too long. No, God wants to meet our needs. I've got three kids, and I, what I'm saying to my youngest, Finley, he's five. He's just turned five this week. I said, my boy, I love to help you. He's like in that stage where he can do most things, but he's a bit lazy. And so then he, like, he can't put his shoes on, and then he has like a mini tantrum, and he cries. Like, my boy... Just use some words and ask me. I love helping you. I do. I love helping my kids because I love them. Many of your kids I know, and I love helping your kids because I know them. But as strangers' kids, I mean, we should always help kids. Don't get me wrong. But like strangers' kids, I would be like, but because they're not mine. <laughs> but we're all God's children. How much more our heavenly Father loves and wants and desires and delights to help us. This is the heart of God. Think of all the people who were sitting in that crowd. Now, there were 5,000 men, the Bible says. So the most conservative estimate, there were 5,000 people. But if some of the wives were there and the kids, there were people kind of speculate 15 to 20,000. But even if you go with 5,000, think of all the people who would have been in the crowd. There would have been respectable people and shocking people. There would have been... Um, upright people and wicked people, people with tattoos and people with piercings, people who were sincere, people who were fraudulent, sitting among those 5,000. There would have been clever people and ignorant people. Every kind of political opinion would have been present. The pro-Trump, the pro-Ramaphosa, pro-Russia, pro-Ukraine. Just think of the diversity in those 5,000 people, all of them together. Most of them would have been spiritually dull. As the people said, they weren't there for the spiritual teaching. They were there because they saw the signs. They saw the miracles. They wanted to see some more. But Jesus left no one out. Everyone had their fill. Even probably some people who were there would have been Jesus' enemies. He fed them. That's the kind of Savior we have, friends. He wants to feed us, irrespective of how we've messed up the day before. Irrespective of if we've drifted from God or made bad decisions. He's that kind of a savior. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking and he says that, that God clothes the lilies with fields. He, he adorns the flowers with, with beauty. And look at the sparrows, he says, the birds of the air. They don't, they don't plant and reap and gather and store in bars, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. His next line is, and aren't you more valuable than the birds? 
Friends, we, we have to have this revelation. We are valuable to God, not because of what we've done or who we are. He makes us valuable because he purchased us. He died for us. There's an element of value left in us because of we made in his image. It's a residual fading glory, if you like. But we're more valuable than the birds. One commentator said this, and this is, this is interesting. He says, God's way of provision always begins with what we already have. Thinking of the five loaves, and they had some stuff already, right? Five loaves and two fish. God's provision always begins with what we already have. He wants us to use what we already have wisely. Good advice. So how's this line? I don't know who the commentator was. Don't foolishly pray for more from God if you don't use what he's already given you in a godly way. How's that for a bit of a rebuke, eh? Challenging, but I think it's true. And God is generous and he wants us to be generous. He wants to multiply what we have. Five loaves and two fish fed 5,000 people. But you know that closed-handed people don't see multiplication. It's open-handed people who see multiplication. So God's, there's, there's a measure of grace that God can do more than we can ask or imagine, irrespective of our state and position and how close we are to us. That's the grace of God. But he also looks for our faithfulness and our stewardship. Yeah, Those teachings are also in the Bible. And so he says, are you looking after the stuff I've already given you well? Are you using it well? He looks at that to see for increase. So we know from Malachi chapter 3, that tithing, giving the 10% of our gross income back to God, what does that do? The Bible says it rebukes the devourer and opens the windows of heaven over our life so that the seed we sow can be multiplied, right? That's what the Bible says. But so many Christians barely tithe. They barely get up to 3 or 4%. I don't know what you tithe. I know what I tithe. But so few Christians tithe. It's like they're limiting the windows of heaven. And beyond that, it's for seed for the sower, 2 Corinthians says. So God multiplies what we sow after we've rebuked the devourer and opened the windows of heaven. God's looking for tithing and generosity. And those teachings are clear in the Bible. But he's looking with, with bated breath, how are we using the five loaves, the two fish we already have? He's looking for faithfulness. And his grace is there as well. My last point this morning is that this text shows us that Jesus can meet every kind of need. John calls this miracle a sign. We read it at the end of the passage, a sign. And in John's gospel, there are seven signs that are miracles that John has extracted from the life of Jesus and put them together to show a deeper truth. So the first one we encountered was the turning the water into wine. John calls it a sign. Why? There's a deeper truth. It's not just a miracle to make a wedding party go smoother. There's a deeper truth attached to the miracle. And the same with this. He calls this a sign because there's a deeper truth. And this truth is that God can take care of all of our needs. Not just the number, but the truth is that the world is a hungry place. And not just physical hunger. Humanity has so, so many needs. And we basically, we go through life the same. We've got some progress, some, some success, some, um, some benefit. We, we feel like we're achieving, we're successful in life. But if we look at our spiritual lives, we have the same needs. 
that no matter what we try and fill them with, they don't satisfy the spiritual desire that God's put there in our hearts. The Bible says that God has put eternity in our hearts. And so deep inside of every human, there's this desperate need, this aching deficit. We know we lack. We know we don't have God. We need someone, capital S, someone to care for our needs. And there's no ordinary person that can help us. Friends, the philosophers, the clever people, chat GPT, AI, machine learning, no one can help us. The gurus with the self-help books, all they're doing is helping themselves by selling books. Scientists, and I'm a scientist, the politicians, they can't help us find forgiveness and peace for our souls. They can't help us meet the deepest need of humanity to be reconciled to God and to be with them for eternity. They can't. No one on earth can. The only choice, the only chance, the only hope for mankind's needs is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he can provide in a way that the world never can. Satisfaction, purpose, guidance, the power of the Holy Spirit. He paid for these things on the cross. There's no one else that can provide even close to what Jesus can. And so John calls it a sign of Jesus' ministry. So what application do we have? Jesus, you see it in the, in the other Gospels, when he, when he gave thanks, where did he look? He looked up to heaven. The custom in that day was to look down when you bless and thank for a meal. But, but Jesus looks up to heaven and he breaks the bread. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it says he gives them to his disciples and they give it out to all the people who are sitting on the, in the wilderness and, and groups of 1,500. But now think about this. Let's do some maths. Everyone good for some maths on Sunday? Melinda's smiling. Awesome. So five, minimum, minimum 5,000 people, 5,013, because there were 12 disciples in Jesus, right? Minimum 5,000. Now, so Jesus gave a bit to the 12, okay? Now they had to go and feed. How many did each person have to feed? 5,000 divided by 12, roughly 400, right? If there were 15,000, maybe they each had to feed like 1,000 people. So Jesus given me, Jesus broken the bed. Heather, come and be Jesus. Just picture a beard, long flavor. No, don't. <laughs> okay, break, break the bread, break the fish, give me the fish. Okay, she's given me some. Now, how many people can I feed with what she's just given me? Am I carrying a massive truck to feed 400 people? Am I walking? No, okay. So, so something must have happened in Jesus' hands to bless the food. To, maybe there was a multiplication that happened there because from two fish to 12 people, that's like a tiny bit of fish. It's like fish built on, right? Thanks, Heather. That's awesome. <laughs> but then uh, you don't see them walking around with a thousand people's food. What happened? Multiplication happened at Jesus' hands and in the disciples' hands. Do you see that? It could only have happened like that. Another commentator said this. He says, These five loaves, by strange, some strange heavenly mathematics, were multiplied by division, he divided the loaves. They were multiplied by division and increased by subtraction. As the disciples gave away, there was more. And as they gave away, there was more. 
some heavenly mathematics going on there. And this is the application that I want, I feel God saying for us. And for those who know me, you know I'm a, this is not the kind of thing I say often. <laughs> but God wants to do miracles in our lives, friends. God wants to show us that he is able and he wants to meet every need in our lives. And I feel like there are people here today, and I'll tell you how we're going to do it in a moment. I feel like there are people here today that you need a breakthrough, some intervention. It might not be physical food. It might not be provision of finances, but, but you need some breakthrough in your life. I know I do. So I'm hoping that I get included in here. One of the miracles I feel like God wanting to do is a scripture in the Old Testament where, where it says, the prophet says, the Lord devises ways to bring back the outcast. The Lord is scheming, my word. The Lord is, is setting stuff up. He's behind the scenes, circumstances, chance meetings, whatever it might be. God is at work to set up, to scheme, to bring back those who are outcast. I feel like today, if, if you've drifted from God in any way, your heart maybe have gone cold or hard, maybe you, you feel like you're backsliding, I feel like God's saying he wants to do that miracle of being close to God again. He wants to do that. And, and how do we get a miracle? Here's my self-help version. <laughs> Number one, go to Jesus. What did the boy do? What did Andrew brought? What little they had to Jesus. Bring your lack, bring your need to Jesus and put it in his hands. Because you can't do it. I can't do it. No fancy prayer up front here will do it. Put your need in Jesus' hands and then obey him. Because the disciples said, yeah, here's this boy, awesome. Okay, now Jesus gave some instructions. Go and organize the people, get them to sit down in an orderly way, come back to me. I'm going to break the fish and the bread. You're going to go out and you're going to give it to them. And then when you're done, come and collect the baskets. There's going to be a whole lot left over. There were some instructions that Jesus gave that the disciples had to obey. And then the miracle happened. I honestly feel like we've got to bring our stuff to Jesus and we've got to let him speak into our stuff, and we've got to obey him. He might say, go and forgive that person who wronged you. Lord, there's this broken relationship. Yes, but you haven't forgiven. No, but I obey Jesus. It might be your wife you need to forgive, or your husband, or whatever it might be. You need to obey Jesus. Miracles don't happen when we disobey Jesus. Okay, so take, bring your stuff, put it in his hands, and obey him. And the second application I feel like for us this morning is that just like the disciples, God wants to do stuff through me. Can you imagine how they would have been like, okay, I've got like a little bit. You go to the first group, there's 50 people, maybe this half of the church. Now I'm holding enough just in my hand for you guys. And you can check the hungry people at the front of the queue. <laughs> They're right in front. And then I give some away and I give some away, but it's got bigger. I actually have to put it down and break it from down. Can you imagine the joy, the excitement? They're like, they're checking the other disciples. Are they, is it also happening to them? Can you imagine what they must have experienced? Hey, God wants that same joy of, of his kingdom advancing physical, practical ways and spiritual ways. God wants to use us. Just like he was weaning the, the disciples off him, he knew that it would be them and the Holy Spirit. And today we have the same Holy Spirit that Deirdre spoke about right in the beginning. And so 
Are we walking like the dull, doubting disciples? <laughs> or do we have faith to step out into what God's called us? And so, let's do it like this. Can we all stand? Ains, could you come forward just to keep some background ambience, atmosphere? Maybe we can turn off the lights because I don't want, I don't want people to feel uncomfortable or on the spot or embarrassed. That's not our aim here. Honestly, I feel like God wanting to do a whole bunch of stuff this morning. Can we close our eyes? Father, we, we look at this, what looks like a simple miracle, but we see such a depth of your heart and your desire and your endless, boundless riches and grace directed to your people whom you love so much. Friends, firstly, if there's anyone here where you know you've drifted from God, maybe you once served Him, maybe you, you once were close, just come back to Him now. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. I'm not going to ask you to pray a certain prayer. If you've drifted from God, you'll know. You'll know God. Just allow the Holy Spirit back into your life, back into your heart. Allow Him to connect with you and love you and bless you and pour out His grace. And like the prodigal son, put a robe on your body and sandals on your feet and a ring on your finger and there's a celebration in heaven but just let God do that this morning secondly if, if you want God to use you in any way you want to see miracles happen they might be miracles of multiplication like, like what Jesus did in this particular account or miracles of provision I've prayed for people and they've got jobs I've got faith to pray for people who don't have jobs. But you might want to also pray for people who are out of work and that they would get jobs. You want God to kind of equip you or impart this gifting in your life. If you want, if I think of beyond the, the provision, if, if, you, if you want to be able to pray for a situation and God to intervene dramatically and powerfully, might be a, a finance issue at work, it might be whatever the case may be, you want you want the gift of faith, 1 Corinthians 12 says. I want to pray for you this morning. If you want to pray for people and you want God to use you to see other people healed, if you want God to use you in preaching the gospel and, and going out with this great commission and seeing other people touched and changed and saved, if you fall into any of those categories, you want God to impart something into your life today that God can use you in a supernatural way. It might look very natural. Bread is natural. It might look very supernatural. And I want to pray for you. So wherever you are standing, if you want God to use you in a greater way like this, just stick up your hand and I'm going to pray for you. I hope we all, my hands up, I hope we all have some desire for God to use us. Father, this morning, every hand that is raised and every hand that is not raised, Lord, I pray for an impartation by your Holy Spirit to equip us for acts of service, which might be like the disciples' service of breaking bread and distributing it. Father, I ask for an imparting of the gift of faith. Then when, when something moves our heart, a child being kidnapped, Lord, we can pray with faith. And God is moved in heaven to do something about it. Father, I pray for an imparting of the gift of healing this morning. That when we pray for the sick, even if it's a headache, Lord, that sickness would flee. Infirmity would flee. Wholeness would come. Restoration and life would come. 
Father, I ask for that gift to be imparted into us this morning. Father, I pray for every one of us that there would be a rabid and radical desire to preach this gospel of the God who provides, the God who's able to provide, the God who wants to meet our needs. And the deepest need of all is for salvation and to know this God who loves us. Father, I pray for an anointing over every one of us to speak the truth and love to this hurting world, to introduce them to Jesus. If we're too shy to bring them to church, whatever it might be, Father, give us a heart for the lost, for the Jerusalem, the Judea, the Samaria, the ends of the earth. Holy Spirit, come and fill our hearts like you did on that day 2,000 years ago when we would get power to be witnesses. Just receive from God, friends. Just receive from God this morning. I've got two very specific words. Salumi came to us after the prayer meeting and said that she feels that there might be someone or some people here where you feel like you're about to give up. Don't know the details. It might be on a relationship. It might be on some other circumstance. But you, there's this, you're about to give up. God wants to meet you this morning and give you hope for your future. And the second very specific, very detailed word is that there's someone here, probably a lady, where you're going for a job interview, you're trusting for a job interview. And someone, is, someone has got a lady's interview suit. You know when you go to an interview and you have to dress smartly, there's a suit that someone wants to give you for that interview. And if that's you, I'll pray for you, but come and chat to me afterwards. If, if you are trusting or you've got your CV out or you know there's an interview this week, I feel like God wants to provide very specifically with an interview suit. And so Lumi didn't know what I was preaching on. How amazing is God? But there's someone here with needs and God knew what I was preaching on, but someone else heard from God. The last thing I want to do this morning before we land is that if you have some need, small or big, I want to ask you to put up your hand where you are. And those people who had their hands up earlier, where you're trusting God to use you, you'll know who you are. Have a look around and anyone with a hand up, Let's just go and pray with them. So if you need God's breakthrough for healing, provision, a job, peace in your life, a relationship, if you need God to break in in some way, any way, we don't need to know the details, put your hand up. Just put it high so we can see. And if you ask God, please use me, go to those people now. your hands up if no one's praying for you yet. Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name for the power of God, for the life of God, for the peace of God, for the joy of God, for the very presence of God in each of our lives. Father, you know every single circumstance, every single situation.
And Father, right now we ask for your divine power, the power of God that multiplied bread in the wilderness to come into our lives, Jesus. And we bring our stuff to you, Lord. We bring the brokenness to you and we put it in your hands right now. And we pray, Father, would you speak to us about what we need to do so that there is room for the power of God to break in. Father, I pray for wholeness, for healing, for provision. Where there is hope deferred, Lord, let the heart not be sick, but let God bring life and fulfillment. Father, we say we need you. We say we are desperate for you, Lord. And we choose to put our faith in you that this gospel is real, that God is alive and he's at work in his people. And so I pray, Father, would you divinely, supernaturally, even if it looks like a natural circumstance, would you do the impossible? We confess, Lord, that you are not limited by what limits us. And we think of all the reasons and excuses how we can't take care of that thing. But Lord, you're not limited by what limits us. So Holy Spirit, be poured out in us, in our lives, and be poured out through us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. for joining us this morning like every Sunday we trust God is speaking and working and that's our heart that's why we're here to meet with Him if, if you that person where you feel like specifically you're about to give up on something I'd love to pray for you and if you that probable lady who you trust in God for an interview please come and chat to me afterwards otherwise if you're wanting to go to Zimbabwe or you're keen to find out more we're going to meet in five minutes right in the front here. Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you in life group.